Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Susan Berland. Susan Berland is a parenting coach who is fiercely committed to guiding parents of LGBTQ youth back to a loving, accepting relationship when they are struggling to accept their child as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or queer, or just struggling with their reaction to their child's coming out. Susan guides parents and their kids to communicate effectively trust one another, and accept one another where and as they are. She helps parents overcome the guilt, fear, or shame they may experience when they discover they have an LGBTQ child. You can learn more about Susan at susanhopeberlin.com and download her free gift, 10 Things to Do When Your Son or Daughter Comes Out. Susan, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, we have been connected on LinkedIn for a while, and I think we have many, many similar connections. So there's some contact there that we both know, and <laughs> who knows, mm -hmm. we may have been in the same room at some point, I think, um, in the past. And uh, you know, I think what you do is really, really interesting, and I wanted you to come on the podcast and talk a little bit more about uh, LGBTQ2 and so on stuff. So um, since you're a first-time guest, I want to ask you the question I ask every first-time guest, which is what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Oh, there are so many things. <laughs> so I uh, walk regularly and I walk with some friends. I really enjoy that. Uh, I work out. That's something that's important to me and my health. I like to go to movies on occasion. I get regular manicure and pedicures. Um, I play games with friends. I play mahjong and canasta. So I, I do a lot. I have a lot of me time, which is really cool. That is great. All those things are music to my ears. I mean, just, you know, those self-care practices and taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and relationally, you know, having friends that you get mm -hmm. to connect with and um, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Music. You reminded me too. I love to, to go to live music mm. and I love, and I'm particularly, my biggest passion is musical theater. Really? Yeah. And I love musical theater. For a long time or? My parents took me when I was a child. So I've been going for a long time. Yeah. That is interesting. I've, I've heard a lot about that. Like the, the things that your parents expose you to when you're a kid you know, you learn just to kind of, well, maybe not all things, but you learn <laughs> to kind of appreciate them in a special way. So yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Great. And where in the U.S. are you located? I am about 20 minutes north of what we call uptown. Other people would call downtown uh -huh. Charlotte. Okay. Nice. In North Carolina. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. So Again, I wanted to invite you on the podcast because I think what you do is really interesting, very niched, um, your audience is. Um, and I wanted to have you on because, you know, there is 
a lot of confusion and there's just a lot of stuff um, when we talk about uh, inclusion and uh, LGBTQ and then more letters get added onto that or numbers get added onto that. And I am an LGBTQ person. I fall in there. And sometimes I don't even get it right, you know? And I feel like if I can't get it right, if I don't understand some of these things, you know, how do other people understand these things? So I wanted you to come on and kind of share with us a, just kind of a, a 101, um, you know, basic educational thing to help everybody understand, uh, you know, some of these basics when it comes to this. But first, you know, how did you even get into this work? Well, it's a long story. I want to take up the entire podcast with it, but I'll give you the abbreviated version. Sure. Um, so I became a coach in 1992 when no one knew what coaching was or they thought it was all about sports. Right. And they still um, kind of do some of them. Yeah, they still do. My son came out as gay in uh, 1989. He was 20 years old. And um, I struggled, even though I was very liberal, very open-minded, had lots of gay and lesbian friends, but it was, I, I knew he was gay. I wasn't surprised at all when he told me, but I didn't want him to be gay. And then I felt guilty because I didn't want him to be gay. And I felt ashamed of my responses because I'm a liberal, open-minded person with gay and lesbian friends. So that's just kind of the background. And when I started coaching, it never occurred to me to coach anything related to the LGBTQ community. And I, I didn't feel, in those days, it was just LG, LGB. There was no T, even though T has existed for many uh, millennium, probably. Um, so I coached for a while. I went back to work for a while. I quit working. And in, in 2008, I was living in California and Proposition 8 outlawing um, marriage between same-sex couples was uh, on the ballot. And so I went to work for the No on 8 campaign and I, it kind of reignited my passion. I always have a, had a passion for marriage equality, but it reignited that passion and... Um, and that's kind of where I got this whole desire to go back to coaching and coach something in the LGBT community. And people kept saying, well, you, you know, you're a parent, you really should coach parents. And I kept saying, I don't want to coach parents. I love the community. I want to coach people in the community. <laughs> but I didn't really feel like I could because I didn't identify as, as gay. Mm. And so I thought, oh, they wouldn't want to work with someone, which is so, when I think of it now, it's so silly because, um, I'm the mother of a gay son who loves and supports her son. So I think that can be very uh, helpful to some people. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, to get back to the long story short, I, in doing some, getting some coaching myself, I was told that uh, if I wanted to coach kids, and I was thinking I wanted to coach kids who'd been rejected by their parents, I needed to market to the parents. Mm -hmm. And so as I was creating that marketing material, it finally penetrated my brain that the kids were not the ones that had the problem. They were fine. It was the parents that needed the help. Mm -hmm. And who better to help than me because I've been there. Mm -hmm. So that's the version of, the shorter version of how I got into this line of work. And right. uh, I've been passionate about it ever since. Wow, that's wonderful. That's great. And what does your son think about the work that you do? Well, for a long time, he used to say, well, I'm so glad you do that. One of us has to. Mm. Uh, since he... <laughs> 
because he was living in in Los Angeles at the time, very open community, didn't really, you know, but since he moved to North Carolina, he's become very involved. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really proud of the work that he does in, in the community. Mm -hmm. um, but he's always thought what I did was wonderful. He's always mm -hmm. supported it and appreciated it. Right, right. And, and um, when your son was, you know, maybe living at home or was a child, you know, were you and your husband open to, you know, how'd you talk about gay people, I guess? Um, when he was I don't yeah, I don't remember us ever talking about gay people. <laughs> when he was when he was three years old and I was still married to his father, my current husband is his stepfather. Um, I remember saying to him, oh, I don't care if Rick is is um, marry someone of a different race or um, different religion, but I don't think I could handle it if he were gay. Mm. I didn't say that in front of him and he mm. was only three years old, but I think that's kind of interesting because um, it says a lot about what my beliefs were and my unspoken beliefs and um, and the fact that I already suspected that he was gay even at three years old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, by the time he was old enough, you know, high school, and I had very strong suspicions. By that time, I had a lot of gay friends. And so people being, you know, he, he knew some of my friends were gay and he had, a, uh, he and his brother, because they were even uh, though they weren't the same year at school had a, a mutual friend who was gay mm -hmm. and they know i always supported him and he was always welcome at our home you know mm -hmm. so I, I don't think he ever thought i had any negative feelings and i didn't have any negative feelings right. if, about gay people right so why do you think i mean even yourself and then possibly most if not all of the parents that you coach um, even if they're very progressive, you know, socially progressive, even liberal, uh, why do you think a lot of parents don't want their child to be LGBTQ? What do they say? I, well, they talk about fear, fear of them getting um, hurt. If, if they have younger kids, there's fear of being bullied and what the impact is, because we all read the news. We know that kids are killing themselves because of the bullies. And these are kids sometimes even that have supportive parents. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so they're afraid of their child not having a, a full and fulfilling life because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm. And, um, and then for some of them, they're afraid of their child being rejected by their extended family. And if they're in a conservative church being rejected by their church family. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on around fear mm. with parents of, of kids that are LGBT. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of listeners and, and also my own clients are teachers, educators. Um, they have coworkers or colleagues. Um, they, they're around people who are LGBTQ, whether they're you know, kids that they're teaching or they're, you know, people they're working with. Um, so let's talk about, you know, what, what do these letters mean? I mean, this is very basic 101, but I think that maybe a lot of people just don't quite understand that. So let's just start with LGBT um, and, and I guess Q, we'll, we'll do Q too. Can you, can you tell us what each one of those letters mean? Sure. L is for lesbian. Um, G is for gay, B is for bisexual, 
and T is transgender, and Q is is queer. And I'm gonna there's a difference between there can be a difference between transgender and queer. So transgender, the definition of transgender is very binary. So you were identified as male at birth, but you identify as female, or you were identified as female at birth and you identify as male. When you get into the Q, that's where you kind of, the binary gets kind of thrown out. Some people use the term Q just because they don't like adding these other labels. They don't want to identify as a lesbian or bisexual or gay or even transgender. They just, you know, feel like queer is the word that best defines me. So it can be used. I have a, um, my goddaughter is, um, I will say she's a lesbian, but she identifies as queer. Mm. She, she doesn't like the word lesbian for some reason. And people from my generation and even my children's generation identify the word queer as, with a lot of negativity because it was used, you know, in very negative ways. Right. And so people younger are reclaiming that word and saying, you know, you can't use that against me anymore. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And then on the gender part of it, people who don't identify as either male or female, or maybe they identify some days more male, some days more female, you know, they often use the word queer. Mm. And then there's gender queer. It kind of is the same thing. It's it relates to gender being queer in your gender as opposed to identifying as queer around your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about that too. So there's um, gender identity. There's sexual. Okay. So there's gender identity. There's gender expression. Uh -huh. And there's sexual orientation. Right. So can you um, tell us what each one of those? Yeah. The difference. Yeah. So gender expression is how you present yourself to the world. It doesn't matter what your gender is. You may present yourself more femininely or more masculinely. That's your gender expression. The clothes you wear, makeup, haircuts, even maybe the way you walk or the, your gestures, that can all, that's all can be part of gender expression. We all kind of know sexual orientation. Sexual orientation identifies what gender you're attracted to sexually or emotionally or physically. And then um, gender identity is who you feel or how you feel in your heart and your mind in terms of your gender. So I heard it said at a conference I was at, and I've always loved this, the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity is sexual orientation is who you go to bed with and gender identity is who you go to bed as. Mm, interesting. So I was people when I explain it that way I often go, Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So um, are there any other identities? Oh yeah. Okay. So let's see. So a lot of times what I see is LGBTQ plus the plus is like, right. and everybody else. Right. I don't know if I can, if I'm going to remember them all, but there's, um, well, the one that people really struggle with is pansexual. Mm. Um, people think, and I did too for a long time, pansexual is the same as bisexual. Mm. Um, I heard a kid, uh, one of the kids of one of the moms in, uh, that I work with said, her kid said, it's, um, it's not, it's their heart, not their parts. Mm. So people who identify as pansexual don't care what their gender is or their gender identity might be more appropriate. So I, I would say, I don't know if this is completely accurate, I'm not a total expert, but 
Um, a person who identifies as bisexual is attracted to both men and women, but a person who's pansexual is attracted to the whole spectrum of gender. So the person could be transgender, they could be genderqueer, they could be non-binary, you know, which means they don't identify as either a man or a woman. That's pansexual. Mm. Okay. And then let's see, there's intersex. In my day, we call those people, if I can say this word right, hermaphrodites. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But those are people who are born um, with some kind of a genetic ambiguity. So they may have both uh, male and female, uh, not genitalia, but internal and external parts that may conflict. So, it, and it could be their chromosomes. And they may be two X and one Y or two Y and one X. And, you know, and in the old days, and not even so much in the distant past, I think they're still doing this in some places, but the doctor will say, this is what it is. We determine that your child is, is this gender and we're gonna do surgery to make them that gender. Mm. And a, a lot of adult people who are intersex, it's, they've really struggled because they, the doctors and the parents chose the wrong gender. Mm -hmm. So I think the feeling today is not to do anything and let the child decide when they're old enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's really that, complicated for yeah for the child and for the parents, right? It, it is, mm -hmm. yeah. So what else, What am I missing? Um, if there, if there about two ways, spirit. Uh, that's... Two spirit. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about two spirit, but I've heard of that as a native um, or uh, an indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. term that they use for people who are transgender okay. and they because they talk about people being two-spirit that's been going on for you know hundreds of years or maybe even longer I'm not sure and it, it you know so they may it may be someone who's transgender but it may also just be someone who is not on the gender binary it's not mm. male or female mm -hmm. right yeah so it is it is complicated mm -hmm. <laughs> It is complicated. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about transgender for a couple minutes. Now, you know, we talk about gender expression, um, and we talk about sexual orientation and all of those things. So, if we see someone who walking down the street, who we're not sure. Well, maybe conventionally they look like a man right maybe they're really tall and i i don't know right they look like they look like a man but maybe they're dressed like a woman um you know or or any kind of combination okay because we've all seen pretty much everything maybe um how do we know whether to call somebody she or he Right, because that's something that um, you know is kind of big right now. Is you know how do you, you know pronouns? How how do you identify somebody if you're not quite sure what they want to be identified as? I guess you ask them. <laughs> it's really simple. So, um, what pronouns do you use? Right. I use, I use she, her. What pronouns do you use? Oh, me. I use she, her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So is, are, do you find that offensive if I ask you? No, I don't find that offensive, but um, this is something I try to work on. So my gender 
expression is more masculine. Uh-huh. Like I'm never putting a dress on again. I'm never wearing heels <laughs> again. Um, but I want to be identified as a woman. But when I get identified as a man, if I get called he or sir, or if I get a weird look when I'm coming in or out of a women's restroom, then, and I'm much better now, like I've worked through a lot of that, but I would get offended. Um, and most of the time, in, in fact, probably all of the time, it's been a just a, a mistake, right? They say, oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, and, then I, and then I'm like, okay. But, but yeah, so, but I understand. I mean, I'm almost six feet tall. I have broad shoulders. I'm, you know, I wear clothes that are more guy clothes, I guess, you know, so um, I, I, I understand. And I, I know people want to do the right thing. But how, how did how can people do that if they're not quite sure, you know, well, when you're talking about a stranger, it's a little bit different, you know, so, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this as well, even though I'm supposedly so aware of mm-hmm. misgendering people. But um, people that are transgender, or uh, gender expansive, they have pronouns they prefer. And when they're misgendered, it can, it can really cause, not for everyone, some people are, you know, have gotten past it. I think it's harder for younger people or people that have just come out as, as transgender if, you know, if they're misgendered. I mean, sometimes it's pretty obvious or it seems to me that it's pretty obvious. Um, I'll give you an example, and I never even, have never even seen this person. But I was making um, reservations for an Airbnb near my sister where she lives. And I know that the the place where I was staying is a place where older transgender women come to learn how to live in the world as a woman. Hmm. So I got a call and it was from a a person with a female name, but a very male voice. And I got really confused, like, who is this? <laughs> you know, because she didn't, she didn't exactly say, and she left me a message. And then um, I realized, oh yeah, okay, so this is one of the women that works at this, that actually works with the woman who owns this home that's trying to help transgender women learn how to live in the world as a woman. So even without ever seeing her, I, uh, in my brain, I was misgendering her, even though she had a female name. Mm. So it's really easy to do. And I think all, you know, when we do that, all we can do is like, like has happened with you is to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but just, you know, when you're not sure if you're going to need to use a pronoun, you ask, mm-hmm. what pronoun do you use? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's hard. I have two transgender nephews and, um, you know, recently coming out in the last few years and I was with the younger of the two we were all out to breakfast with his parents and his brother and I called him her Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like and then I get see it's kind of like when my son came out I got really down on myself for making that mistake yeah and he said to me oh don't even worry about it I do it too Mm-hmm. And he was only 16. So a lot of times when someone's that age, it's really difficult for them. And it brings up a, a, some of the um, gender dysphoria when you misgender them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just so cool about it. Yeah. 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 I feel like um, it's just something, and I don't know why I used to get so 
upset about it. You know, when I know it was a genuine mistake, you know, usually if not the every time. Um, so it's, it's kind of strange when you are in this LGBTQ community, um, you know, you're trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure things out on your own, you know, uh, just who am I? Um, and then you're trying to figure out your place in the world. You know, where do I fit here? And then people are trying to also figure out where you fit because, you know, I don't know, people like to, you know, put people in boxes or they Mm -hmm. like to just feel protected. You know, do I, do I need to be afraid of this person? Is this person harmful for me? Or I don't know. There's so many things. So it's very complicated for both, um, not just parents, but again, you know, if you're, Mm -hmm. have close colleagues that you work with, um, or if you have students that you have to teach and see every day and, and converse with, um, it's, it's complicated for everybody. So, um, I'm interested in what do you think this is all going to look like in, I don't know, 50 years, let's say, um, you know, what, what do you, what do you think it's going to be like? I, I have no idea. I have <laughs> hope. I have hope, but there's still so much anti, particularly right now, anti-transgender stuff going on in our country. Not so much in yours. You're a little bit ahead of us in many ways. <laughs> um, but you know, there there state states in the United States are passing laws that will um, put doctors in prison for treating kids under the age of 18 with any kind of hormones or, you know, anything that could help them in their transitions and in their being comfortable with who they are. You know, there's just all kinds of stuff going on and it's so hateful. So it's hard for me to think that that's going to be gone in 50 years, right. but, I, but I hope it'll be a lot better. I mean, if I look at where we were with the gay rights movement 50 years ago and where we are today, it's a lot better. And there's still a long way to go. We still don't have, uh, at least in this country, we don't have um, any laws to prohibit, dis- the federal laws to, to prohibit discrimination in housing or employment or um, accommodations for LGBT people. It's like, you know, this is 2020 already. Mm. Get with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, marriage, marriage equality in the United States created a backlash in some ways. So, you know, I hope by 50 years from now, we're all over that because people are just people and like what they do doesn't impact you at all. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, and we could probably talk a whole episode just on conversion therapy, but can you, you know, conversion therapy is a hot topic right now in both the U S and in Canada. Um, Canada just put forth a, um, some kind of bill to ban conversion therapy. And I think there are some, uh, states in the U S as of this recording, um, Virginia, South Carolina, um, and others, uh, recently who have, um, I guess, banned conversion therapy. Can you talk about what conversion therapy is, uh, for people who aren't quite, you know, familiar with that? Well, first, first of all, I don't know uh, what your law that's pending in Canada says, but the laws that have passed here outlaw conversion therapy for children under 18. Yeah, that's what it is. That means parents can't force them, but that doesn't mean it's gone away. It's right. still happening. Right. And so someone who's 18, 19, 20, 
who wants to, you know, doesn't want to be gay or thinks it's, it's evil to be gay or has been taught it's a sin or they're going to burn in hell or whatever, will put themselves into conversion therapy. And there's a wide range of types of conversion therapy, but they've proven to be ineffective. I mean, some of the biggest uh, organizations that did conversion therapy are out of business. And, uh, and all of the people, many of the people, I wouldn't say all, but many of the people who are running these organizations are now in same-sex relationships. Mm. So there, you know, you can't yeah. change, you can't pray away someone's gender, I mean, um, sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there, you know, there, there's a wide variety of things that, that happen in conversion therapy, and I'm not a real expert on it, but, you know, it's enough, you know, uh, some things are just mental, they're trying to mentally break the person down, and sometimes they do things that are physical. Yeah. And, you know, it's extremely damaging. I mean, I've heard of stories of people that are um, like gay men, for example, as one example, shown pictures of gay porn. And uh, if they start to get an erection, they get shocked, you know, and stuff like that. It's just, it's barbaric. Yeah. Um, and if it's not the physical, if it's just the mental and emotional, that's pretty barbaric too. It's just in a different way. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, it's never worked in any case I know of. Mm. Interesting. I know people who say it's worked. Right, right. Yeah. But I don't believe them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so before we sign off, uh, Susan, do you have, and I have a, a, a tip of wisdom, I guess, or a, a bit of wisdom, that's what I meant to say, uh, for, for people listening who... Um, you know, are trying to understand all of this, but I'm going to give you the chance first. Uh, what advice would you give to people who are trying to understand all of this and trying to live in a world where things are changing so quickly and, um, you know, they're trying to educate themselves or trying to do the best that they can to understand all of this? What would you tell them? I would tell them to first remember that whoever it is you're trying to understand is a person just like you. Mm. And that um, if you, if a person clearly wants to understand, you know, get, go do some research. There's so much research out there, you know, uh, read books, go to the local LGBT center where, or LGBTQ center where you live, you know, start to meet people who are gay and bisexual and lesbian and transgender and get to know them. Once you start to know people, you find out it's not so scary and it's not so different from who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it makes the world a safer place, which is, um, you know, what we we all want. So, you know, having friends and associating with people who are different, you know, than you is is really good. And it expands your understanding, and knowledge of um, of all these issues. Yeah. So my my tip would be to be gentle with yourself and be gentle with people who are LGBTQ. Um, first, you know, as an LGBTQ person myself, um, I say be gentle with yourself. You know, anybody who is ready, I mean, who is will, re really willing to under try to understand all of this and try to do their best to um, to treat people the way that that they want to be treated, I guess, is, is great. So people who misgender me and then apologize afterwards, it's, it's totally fine, you know? So apologize afterwards, say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, kind of thing. I mean, that's from my own personal thing. And then, um, and then be gentle with other people, you know? Other people, uh, you know, have empathy for those who are different than you and are 
trying to understand themselves better too. Um, so that would be my, my advice there. Um, Susan, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm going to put your website, you have a Facebook page, and you also have a Facebook page for parents of LGBTQ kids who are looking for support. Um, and then you said people can message you on either page and get in touch with you. You're also on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, so people can connect with you there. Um, thank you again, Susan. Really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcast app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more Me Time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.